Coming up on today's edition of the Nosebleed Seats podcast with Zach Wolchuk and Eric Chiafalo, we break down the Cowboys' victory over the Seahawks and look ahead to their divisional round matchup with the Rams with the little Cowboys conversation. And then we go around the NFL playoff edition and talk about that NFL coaching carousel. That's coming up next on the Nosebleed Seats, the show everyone can afford to listen to. But before we get into that, Eric, I'd like to thank Lone Star Green CBD, our first ever official sponsor for the Nosebleed Seeds podcast. They were kind of not kind enough to send us out some product to even try. They've got oils, they've got gummies. There's so many different things you can do with CBD. And however you want to try it and use it for your first time, Lone Star is the way to go. Lone Star Green CBD. I'm one that's battled with anxiety. I'm not really super open about this a lot, Eric, but I'm a guy, I deal with anxiety every single day, and I've kind of just gone about trying to use it mind over matter. I don't really do much to try and handle or or solve my CBD. I'm not one that likes to try a lot of prescription drugs. I've seen family members use a variety of prescription drugs, whether it's for depression, for anxiety, for other different medical issues. Stress, absolutely. And I think there's a ton of different side effects that that negatively impact your life. I'm not super into that. So I've just kind of gone about my daily life in routine, trying to suppress that anxiety. But CBD really does help me with that. And there's more things. If it's not anxiety, if you're just having muscle aches, joint pains, whatever it is, CBD oils, lotions, I mean, there's so much you can do now with CBD. It's truly mind-blowing. Yeah, no, it's incredible. You can do it in multiple different ways, and Lone Star Green has you covered. You can go to their Facebook page, Lone Star Green on Facebook. Hit them up. If you let them know that you're with the Nosebleed Seats, they'll give you 10% off at the checkout. You can get... Just they'll ship it right to your door. I mean, this it's incredible. Like you said, we got we got a little care package sent to us. We've been using it for the last couple of weeks. You put it on, you put it on your skin. Like you said, you got the topicals, you got the oils that you can literally you can sprinkle it into your uh, squirt it into your cereal, squirt it into your coffee. You can sip on it. You can eat it. Multiple ways to do this thing. And like you said, all the all the the mental anxiety, the stress. And that doesn't even get to the physical, the headaches, you know what I'm saying? The inflammation, if you work out, you have uh, you have inflammation, you have joint pain. Uh, it's great for workout recovery. If you have trouble sleeping, this is a fantastic sleep aid. And the beauty of it all is it's legal. CBD now is, is free reign, all 50 states. It's legal as can be. You can go on and make it happen. And Lone Star Green is the pledge for you. Again, go to their Facebook page, Lone Star Green on Facebook. Let them know that you're friends of the Nosebleed Seeds podcast, and they will give you a 10% off at the checkout. Again, multiple ways to use this stuff. It's absolutely incredible. We've been using it left and right. Walchuk, I mean, man, I haven't seen you smile as much in, in, in ages, my man. Man, I'll tell you what, even if you don't want to buy some, just check out LSG CBD. LSG CBD, Lone Star Green CBD on Facebook, and learn more about CBD. I'll tell you, this stuff just works, and it works for so many different things. In the next two years, CBD is expected to be in most stores. This stuff is 100% legal in all 50 states in the United States of America. It's got less than 0.3% THC, so you don't have to worry about failing a drug test. Don't get this confused with the other type of stuff. This is 100% legal. Don't let CBD scare you off. Get your research in. We wouldn't be pumping it if we didn't know this stuff was 100% safe. Lone Star Green CBD LSG, baby. Yeah. 
It's about that time for some nose bleed sheets. The show everyone can afford to listen to. Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo. It's been a little while. Heck, it's a new year, 2019. Welcome on in, and we're bringing in the new year with the Dallas Cowboys playoff victory. Oh, yeah, baby. Are you kidding me? Oh, Chiafalo. Chief, baby, Chief, the Cowboys. Yeah, it was a thing of beauty. Obviously, since the last time we talked to you, the Cowboys wrapped up the NFC East. They gambled. They risked. They threw Dak Prescott out there for 60 full minutes of meaningless football. No, he's going to get hurt. What if he gets hurt? He didn't. He played great. He got added confidence. They go into the playoffs rolling, and they beat the Seahawks 24-22. And while this is going to be a football-heavy show, we would be remorse than to start things off with anything besides some Cowboys conversation. Excellent! Gosh, I'm so freaking horny. Oh, man. This was just... This was a game of games, my friend. 24-22, to 22, the final. The Cowboys knock off the Seahawks in the wild card round. A team that has really fought through a lot of adversity this year. Reborn from the ashes. Of a three and five Left for Dead season, and here they are. It's a great video game, by the way, Left for Dead. Oh, it is just the original one. Here they are in the divisional round of the bleeping playoffs. They beat the Seahawks wild card weekend. Russell Dangerous Wilson himself, unbelievable man. What in the world has happened? Well, the football gods are a fan of the Dallas Football Cowboys, at least in the year 2018-2019. Good God, my friend. The turnaround, 3-5, and five, and now all of a sudden, you guys are sitting pretty. Probably the best defense left in the playoffs? In the playoffs? 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 You guys won a mother-bleeping playoff game, bro. That's like your third one in 20-something years, yeah. bro. Yeah, it's been a while. Holy crap. Dak and Zeke at their first... Man, it's just nice to get them get get playoff wins. And I was sitting here preaching leading up to this game just like how nice it is to be in the playoffs. Cowboy fans, don't take this for granted. It's a home playoff game. The Cowboys haven't had a lot of those at all in the last 20 to 25 years. Amen. So let's not take it for granted. Let's not go in there with a pessimistic attitude that they're going to choke it up. No, it's it's glass half full, baby. Yes. It's positivity. It's so easy for fans to just blur together all the years. But really, I mean, this is a new freaking squad. This is a young football team. This is a roster filled of players that are playing in their first postseasons. You've got Dak and Zeke that are about to play in their third ever playoff game this Saturday night against the Rams. This is an inexperienced, young, youthful team. They're not the same teams that lost in 14, 16, 2009, 2007, 2006. No, no, no. This, this is a completely different team. Give them some hope. Give them some faith. And right now, they're rewarding the true fans that have been loyal to them from start to finish. And my, oh my, this is a ride that I don't ever want to end. I know. I know, man. And you said it. It's 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 Dak's first. It's Zeke's first. And 
Everybody always remembers their first. They're, they're, it holds a special place. And the fact that you got to do it in your own backyard. I mean, I don't know about you, Walchuck, but when it was my first time, I didn't get to do it in my own backyard. And these lucky bastards, they got to do it in front of the home crowd. What a beautiful thing. When you talk about Dak Prescott, you're talking about 15 game-winning drives since 2016, which is most in the NFL. Those balls get bigger when the game gets tighter And that is one of the most redeeming qualities you could possibly have as an athlete, particularly as a mother bleeping quarterback. And we've talked about Dak Prescott a lot throughout the year. Everybody has nitpicked Dak Prescott. I mean, heck, you and I have had conversations on and off the air about, well, Dak, you know, your your thoughts of, of his quarterback play and his physical abilities. And I've said, yeah, I mean, Dak's a guy. Look, it's just... Dak is not someone that you can compare eye test-wise to any other quarterback in the NFL. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and do the things that Pat Mahomes or Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers or Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, some of these elite upper echelon throwers of the football, are going to do. Dak Prescott isn't going to go 30 of 37 for 300 yards and three touchdowns every single week. That's not who he is. But what he is is going to give you a pretty damn good chance to win a football game and win more than them than he will lose. And at the end of the day, this is a results business. It's about winning games. And Dak Prescott, through three years of football and two playoff runs in those three years and a winning record all of those years, has proven to you that he is a very good starting quarterback in this league and can win you a lot of games. It might not be pretty. It might not be the sexy numbers, fantasy football bonanza kind of football that you want, but I'll tell you what, if you're getting W's at the end of the day, who the bleep cares? Get off Dak's back. I don't know what your expectations are if you're unsatisfied with a quarterback who just wins you football games. I'm with you, man. Uh, Get off his back and get on his because it's time. What? It's playoff. That. It's playoff bleeping Dak. And and it's it's a great it's a special feeling. thing, man. It, it is a special thing. And you avoid going to the Superdome and, and we'll obviously get to that kind of stuff here in a little bit. But man, you've set yourself up for absolute success and you beat a team in Seattle. Yeah, you guys were the better team. I mean, I, the only advantages they had were two big ones. You'd say at the quarterback and you'd say at the head coaching. But everything else Roster-wise, you guys were the better team, and it showed. It should have been even – I mean, the the score wasn't even indicative of how much you guys really put a put a whooping on them. Yeah, from start to finish, the Cowboys came out. You know, and, and it leads me to a point that I'll make in previewing this Rams game. But, I mean, the Cowboys went right down the field. They kicked a field goal on that first drive. Again, it seems like, man, they can just work the football from 25 to 25 like world beaters. And then just something happens as soon as you get close to that red area and, well, the drive stalls. I mean, it's it's just, it'll be a negative first down play. It'll be a penalty. It'll be a couple ineffective throws. And then all of a sudden it's third and long. What do we do? Let's play it safe. Let's kick the field goal. But if they can come out and, and really they set the tone early on, the defense played great. I mean, it was three and out after three and out Man. after three and out. I mean, they were absolutely sensational. So freaking good. Sensational. 
They shut down that Seahawk running game. Best running game in the league coming into the game. Number one rushing attack, and the defensive line absolutely dominated. I mean, we know about Demarcus Lawrence. Malik Collins had an outstanding game. Antoine Woods. That screenplay was, oh, 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 my gosh. Just beautiful. I know. You were swimming in barbecue, and you were just. mustard ranch. Give it all. Dang it, that was a beautiful thing. Oh, sitting in my bathrobe just basking in that Antoine Woods glory. I mean, when you think about it, man, Chris Carson was the NFC Offensive Player of the Month. He had 13 carries for 20 yards in this game. He averaged 1.5 yards a carry. Jeez, say that one more time for the just for the people in the 13 back. 13 carries for 20 yards, averaged 1.5 yards a carry. Ah! That was a guy who essentially stepped on the field the entire month of January and ran for 100 yards. Yeah, I mean, it was easy money for them. They wanted to do it. Everybody in the building December. knew they Did wanted I say to January? Do December. God dang it, you might have said January. Damn it, can I correct myself yeah, now? Yeah, I'll give it to you. Shucks, thank you. We've been out of the bedroom for so long. I knew you were going to have a couple you of hiccups. You know I'm a perfectionist, too. i got to come in and clarify when I can, and I catch it. Listen, uh, I didn't catch your. Uh, you said remorse earlier. You meant remiss. I meant remiss. I was gonna. I was gonna snag you yeah, on it, but we were so English in the heat of the weed and boys oh, moment. I, I just it. didn't want. When we have time to come and clean it up, I like doing that. Amen, brother. I like that. Listen, this Cowboys team right now defensively is just so so solid from from front to back. Those linebackers with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, they throw Sean Lee out there, and he only played like five snaps, part of which because you guys are getting three and outs left and freaking right. But the guy was not there. You could see the drop off, even just in those five plays when Leighton Vanderesh wasn't on the field. It's to the point now when no, Vanderesh when Vanderesh is not on the field, it's you're asking yourself noticeable. what the heck is going There's on. There's a problem. Yeah, it's to the point where Ari Temkin, who's the pre and post game show host for. The- the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network on, God, what on a the great flagship guy. 105 through the fin. Great guy. Sweetheart, man. Uh, he basically tweeted You're out. You're brother, Ari. Oh, member of the tribe. He basically tweeted out, have we witnessed Sean Lee just get Romo'd? Essentially the same thing. Dak coming in and just playing so mm. well. Romo loses his job. Has Van Der Esch just done that to Sean Lee? And I can't say no because Lee didn't step on the field till one of the first. It might, it might not have been the first offensive drive for Seattle, but it was one of the first. Those were his first snaps of the game. And I believe the second snap was Richard Penny's best run of the football game where he gashed off that right side, had like a 25-yarder. That's the play that and sticks Vander out And Van Esch was off the field. Sean Lee was in for him. Yeah, and then immediately you see Van Der Esch and running he back ran right by Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee, yeah. Gets, Lee gets blocked on that play, and it's a big chunk. Really the only successful run play exactly. they had all game. And so Van it just Der goes Esch to tell you, it's, un, it's unbelievable to me. There is something special right there with Van Der Esch and Smith, and you can't you can't mess with it. The great thing is Sean Lee is such a class act and a character that he recognizes it too, and is willing sure. to you know put his you know these are very prideful, egotistical humans, football players, really professional athletes in general. Hell, you see it in the NBA more so than any sport. Yeah, I mean it's part of what makes you great, but it's also it can be a detriment. It can be a detriment. It can be a dysfunctional. But Sean's not that thing. kind of guy. No, Sean Lee. Sean Lee will embrace it, and, and he's doing everything he can. To help these guys off the field, yeah, and the Cowboys are still just, absolutely better for having him in uniform on the sideline during the week. Because if something happens to all of those guys, my my God, I mean, you still feel all right. Well, we've got Sean Lee here who has been kicked off the field, but man, if he's got to come in and play in a pinch, that's, yeah, I want that guy. And the other guy that doesn't get talked about enough, obviously, uh, but still, Damian Williams. 
hell of a linebacker. You know what I'm saying? When you're talking about Damian your Wilson. Four, or Wilson, yeah, fourth he, he freaking makes plays every once in a while. He's he, your fourth linebacker. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's pretty solid. Solid core special team guy, no doubt, no doubt. I, I don't think he's uh, evolved to the extent. I mean, he started missing some snaps to Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas has been hurt a lot this yeah, year. Yeah, Joe Thomas. Now was he's hurt, back but healthy. Made he's a hell another, of a special team stack. He's hole. another guy. I mean, when you think about the depth you guys have at linebacker, it is pretty remarkable. That might be the story of the season. When you because yeah. you know that was such a concern last year, the fact that you, you lose Sean Lee, this this team just completely defensively, they couldn't stop anybody. Oh, and not only last year, for the last like five years, great point. When Lee's not in the game, you aren't winning, and your defense looks like trash. This year, it's actually the opposite. When he's in the game at this point, you're like, oh, oh there's we're some leaks in the, in the yeah, no doubt. And that that is, I mean, you've completely flipped that on its ear, and that's been that's been remarkable. I think your secondary's playing uh, at a pretty high level. I know, you know, Russell Wilson and that offense. Russell Wilson could, but that offense, they were. I mean, they play. Good God, Brian Schottenheimer. It was. I I remember chuckling to myself early in the game when they showed Brian Schottenheimer on the other side of the field, and I thought to myself. Holy smokes! What you think? I of his did chain? not even realize. Now I'm a fan of the chain. I'm a fan. That thing of, was blinging. Yeah, that thing was popping. I was a fan of it, but just the fact that Brian Schottenheimer is still in control of an NFL offense is baffling to me. I remember when he was the Jets right, offensive with coordinator. Sanchez. With yeah, with the Sanchez. What the hell is Pete Carroll doing? Who was their running back? You at went that from Daryl Bevel, who's trash, to more trash with Brian Bleep and Schottenheimer. Yeah, it is concerning to me that they just can't find an offensive coordinator. Was Daryl Bevel that bad? I think Daryl Bevel was bad. You're talking about the same Daryl Bevel who the didn't call. hand it to Marshawn Yeah, yeah, Lynch. yeah. That but, was a bad decision. Yeah, but their just, offense wasn't terrible He just got him. canned in Atlanta. Was, he, no, what? he wasn't in Atlanta. He that was Sarkeesian. Oh, it was Sarkeesian. That was Steve. Good God, Steve. He might have picked the bottle back up. Yeah, oh, yeah, doing some booze dancing. We are terrible for bringing that up. I apologize, Steve. Listen, I think you've recovered. Uh, as far as I know. You haven't been in Biggest L, Biggest Dub. But God willing, you have, Steve. And, and we're here for you if you haven't and you need someone to talk to. No question. Reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a safe space for all, Steve. Um, when it comes to Seattle, though, Brian Schottenheimer, what the bleep. Okay, if I could ask anything of Pete Carroll right now, of all the million questions I've loved to ask him, how do you look so young? Well, how it's do you crazy so because... All I want to know really is be, why Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah, so it used to be like, man, they run the football maybe too much. They don't pass enough. Yeah. Then it, it became like, oh, they're passing too much. They don't run enough. And so Brian Schottenheimer stops, and it's just total run heavy. In this game, Russell Wilson only throws the football 27 times. He's 18 of 27, 233 yards and a touchdown. And he made some dime throws. Dime fourth and six. Oh, to Doug to Baldwin. Baldwin. Oh my, well, I mean, bang, bang on both sides. Great throw, great catch. And that's really what I wanted. To, that's what I was going to get to. Is the handful of plays that got made were strictly because Russell Wilson is an absolute animal, and those throws he made were awesome. The catch by Baldwin, insane. Lockett, same thing. I think there was one to Lockett, and there was one to Baldwin, both on a Wouzier, and one of which is particularly the one to Baldwin. Wouzier is right there. I mean, yeah. the coverage. Coverage is pretty solid. That poor guy. It's happened to him a lot. It's this happened year. to him a lot where he's right there, but it's just it's just out of reach. The receiver's just good enough to get the toe tap. The quarterback puts it exactly in the spot you can't do it, and it's like, hey, what can I do here? Wuzier for the most part is in the right place. You know what I'm saying? And so, and he got rewarded with a big fourth down or third down stop. Absolutely, right before the uh, the Tavon Austin punt return happened. Right after, it's a third down stop. 
Bouzier breaks it. Austin has the big return. Now, unfortunately, Dak had the interception throw in the end yeah, zone. Which could have been pass but interference. Could have been pass way interference. Inaccurate now, football. You know, overall, the officiating has been terrible this year in the NFL. There were some missed calls on both sides in this football game. I loved how they, they there was a lot of no calls early. There and were. then by the end, it was the fourth quarter. I mean, I literally was sitting on the couch, and I tell my dad, going into the fourth quarter, I was like, you know what's been nice? is There hasn't been a ton of flags in this game. Yes. They're letting them play. Yes. When in doubt, let them play. I'm in on that, especially in the playoffs. And then the fourth quarter shows up, and it's freaking laundry all over the damn place. I didn't really notice, I guess, you know, because I'm working the game, and then I'll go back and rewatch it, but I'm fast-forwarding. So I didn't really notice that there was an abundance in the fourth quarter. But I did overall think that it was still a relatively evenly in solid officiated game. You know, there were missed calls on that third and six Cowboy, or that fourth and six play. Cowboy fans will tell you Randy Gregory's being held. Uh, they'll tell you there's pass Facts. interference. Seahawks fans will say, well, Malik Collins grabbed Russell Wilson's face mask on that sack. Facts. You know, there were, there were issues on both sides. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's playoff football. And as long as the officials aren't dictating who won or lost that football game, which they clearly didn't, yep. I don't have an issue. I hear you. You know, I'm not going to have an issue with it. So all in all, officiating solid. Cowboys defense was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Seahawks fans should be pissed that they didn't have Russell Wilson throw the football. And they should be pissed that they have Brian Schottenheimer on their side. Yeah, and they should really fix that. In any capacity. I mean, believe? good God, you can't serve. <laughs> In any capacity. You cannot serve my guy's water, Brian. I mean, that's... That, I mean, he that's can't just, even be the water boy? No. Gatorade. Brian, no Gatorade. No Agua. Brian, get the hell out of here. What about Powerade? You know, I thought about it, but no. Okay. At least we considered. I mean, Jesus, I'd rather have Marty. Yeah, could you believe that? I don't that even was... know if he's alive. I'd rather have oh, the you, ghost Marty's of Marty. Marty's got to be alive. He's got to be alive, but he's very old. That that was Russell Wilson's first touchdown run of the run his career yeah, of the season. Period. In his whole life? This year. Of the 2018 Seattle Seahawks season, that touchdown run he had to put the Seahawks up 14 to 10 or whatever it was. That's bleeping was crazy. Was his first and only touchdown run of the entire season. That's That that's was mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Hey, another indictment on Mr. Brian, Brian Schottenheimer. Good God, So, Shottie. yeah, certainly, certainly some complaints there, but you're 100% right. Played right the, into the Cowboys, Cowboys defense's dominated. hands. Yeah, they, they dominated from start to we're finish. Domin- this game was we're never st- really in doubt. We're literally stopping the run from start to finish, and you guys are still trying to run from start to finish while Russell Wilson's throwing dimes. Nah, we'll hand it to Chris Carson. Dak Prescott, sensational. 22 of 33, 226 yards, a touchdown. Had that one pick in the end zone, which was unfortunate. That, four, uh, that third and 14, back. though, which was the the, draw, really the play of the game. Uh, just an individual play of, which, of and, legendary proportions. Yes, and we heard Garrett uh, on the radio this week actually saying that that was a design play. It was a design draw. It wasn't like it was a drop back, and Dak just said, bleep this, I'm going. They were trying to set up for – they were trying to force Seattle to have to call a timeout. They were going to take the three, but it worked out. They get the first down. Dak's a bleeping uh, – what is it, a grown-ass man, according to Zeke. And that was the absolute play of the game. And credit to Dak for yeah, obviously making the play. I mean, the call, I guess you got to credit Linehan. You don't want to do that too often. But Linehan sure. making the call, it worked out. And beautiful. It just goes to show you when Dak uses his legs – Good things 
nine times out of ten happen. And you saw him throw the football away at times instead of taking Another the sack. Another beautiful thing. You also saw him respond. That fade route to Gallup, they called it back-to-back. Did not work the first time. Beautiful throw the second time. Beautiful. You saw a lot of growth and maturity from Dak Prescott He's in this football so game. Fun. I mean, literally, the just a perfect picture of Dak where literally on, on one play, he throws the fade into the bleeping stands. Yes. And then the very, very next play, exact same play, couldn't have put it any any Beautiful. better. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's Dak. That's Dak. He's going to miss the wide open touchdown, and then he's going to put it perfectly, and that's just the that's the Dak roller coaster. That's Dak, but I'll tell you what, man, you, you give me a quarterback that I need to win me a football game when it matters. There's not a whole lot more I'm taking than four. I hear you. He's 100%. special. He's special when it comes to that money time. And Zeke, oh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, not enough, there's not enough words for yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. The MVP of this team, no doubt. 26 carries, 137 yards, and a touchdown. 5.3 yards a carry. Also had four catches for 32 yards. And Amari Cooper, some huge plays as well. Seven catches, 106 yards for him. All in all, the Cowboys, big players. They performed under the bright lights. And I'm excited to see them do it again Saturday night. I really think when you look at this matchup with the Rams, I wanted to see them. I wanted to play them. If you remember last year's game at AT AT&T Stadium, the Cowboys really dominated the Rams. Now, it is a different team, but offensively, not much has changed. They don't have Cooper Cup. That much has changed. Mm -hmm. And they've added Brandon Cooks. So those are the big differences. But outside of that, the offensive line... Gurley, Woods, the tight ends, still all relatively similar. Goff, obviously. Goff. Uh, and the Cowboys dominated the Rams for a half. They had that mess up in the third quarter, the Switzer fumble, that really switched the tide of that football game, but the Cowboys were in it. Now, this year's Rams team, shockingly, when you look at their defensive line and how much beef and potatoes are inside with Sue and O'Donnell. And Brockers. And Brockers, great point, can't overlook him. They really do not play well against the run. I mean, they're averaging like over five yards a carry. They're dead last in the bleeping league. And the Seahawks were 31st. The only other team not as bad as the Rams were the Seahawks and the Cowboys just gashed. So I think the Cowboys are going to come out and run the football. If Dallas can go down the field like they did against Seattle, but find a way to get a freaking touchdown. That's the thing. Because this is the game where that'll come back to bite you. When you're playing against elite offenses like the Rams, like in that game against the Saints, the defense played well enough to where... It was okay, but you you can't play like that. You've got to find a way when you're in the position to score touchdowns, you got to bang it home. You can't settle for three against offenses like that, especially on the road. If Dallas can come out, move the football like I think they will, much like they did against Seattle in that first series, and get a touchdown on the board, start this baby off 7-0, what should be a very pro-heavy Cowboys crowd, I think the Rams are in some trouble, man. Because I think they're going to make life hell for Jared Goff. They're going to hit them. They're going to pressure them. And you've seen this year in games where the Saints got after him a little bit for a half and it rattled him that he had to come back in that one. The Chiefs got after him a little bit. He turned the football over. The big one was the Bears, who might probably the only other defense better than the Cowboys in the NFC. He was a shell of himself. If you can get some pressure on Goff, and yeah, that's easy to say about any quarterback, that's the case. But especially one like Jared Goff, who's not really mobile. That's that's a remedy for success, man. But the Cowboys' ability to run and get some pressure, certainly there's aspects that scare me about L.A. They're a damn good football team, and that coach is sexy as all hell. Yeah, and he's a hell of a coach. But 
I really think the Cowboys can go in there and win this one, man. I, I feel pretty good about it. Listen, I I, I think you, you'd feel you feel as as good as you ever would going on the road in a divisional matchup against a two seed in your conference. I mean, this is that you you feel as good as any team in the same situation. You're going on the road, but it's it's like you mentioned, more of a home field advantage. Um, and you're talking about the worst run defense in football, which is so surprising. I mean, if you would have told me in the summertime when Donald and Sue, I know, are, are manning that D-line for the Rams, that they're going to have the worst rush defense in the NFL, I'll tell you, you're crazy. Especially when you tell me that Aaron Donald's having an MVP caliber season. Yes. I mean, it just... Probably will be Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't... It doesn't make any sense besides the fact that they don't have any linebackers. I get that. But... Um, and with, with the rushing attack that you guys have with Zeke, obviously you have to feel good. Anytime you come into a game with uh, you know a, an awesome rushing attack and the better defense by a mile, uh, you're going to feel great about it, especially a quarterback that you trust in big moments. I mean, this is as good as you could feel going into a game like this. I think uh, running the ball obviously is going to be huge, um, but more than that, how does Connor Williams stack up Against. I knew there wouldn't be a Cowboys conversation where Eric's favorite player, one Connor Williams, didn't get brought up. Listen, how can, how can I not bring him up when when I watched him get thrown around by Jaren? Was it is it Jaren Reed for yeah. the Seahawks? Yeah, yes. Jaren, and he's, a he's unbelievable, a beast. But listen, the fact that he went in the second round blew my mind. Yeah, that dude should have been a first round draft pick. Yeah, well, it's funny because he's like one sack every year in college, one sack every year in the NFL, and then this year he's got like ten 11. and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. But <coughs> excuse me. Jeez, Mike, off. If you're going to do that, it's unpleasant to the ears. Oh, that's worse. He got louder, more vicious. I apologize. Um, Connor Williams, I think that's that's where this game's going to get won and lost for Dallas because I don't think Xavier Suofilo is playing in this game. I don't think he is either. Uh, He hasn't really been practicing. He obviously didn't play last week. He's been in an alignment on a bum ankle where you kind of, the Cowboys like to move their guards a lot. I'm not really wanting him out there anyway. I hear you. He needs to be healthy. Um, but Connor Williams, to me, I mean, that's really where, to me, this game's going to get won and lost. If, if Aaron Donald gets one-on-one matchup. Well, I think you know that going into it. He can't. He's not going to be able to block either of those guys. At all. So you're going to have to rely You're gonna have to rely on your all-pro, Zach Martin, and say, bro, this is it. This is big boy time. We need you to hold your own because Jumbo Joe needs to slide over and help Connor. Every single play. Every snap. And, and to me, that could get problematic and particularly in the passing game because at the end of the day as much as we talk about the Cowboys running game if they're going to win this game they're going to have to make some plays through the air down the field there's no question about that and Aaron Donald from that interior position has absolutely obliterated the entire league this year and you're going to throw little Connor Williams the pussy willow out there that's going to be stop calling him that I call him stop it I put a willow in there this time no it's a tree. It's a plant. God. We literally need plants to survive. Oxygen. He helps us breathe, Connor Williams. I was giving him a compliment. So does all of us. Jeez. So do we all. We all do. We're all photosynthesis. Connor Bleepin' Williams is going to be the reason why the Cowboys lose. There I said it. No, it's not there true. There I freaking it's not said true. it, Walchuk. Is that what you wanted? Is no. that what you wanted to hear? I disagree. He certainly is going to need some help, but he'll be all right. The key is you got to get Dak on the move, and he's better. You know, when you get a moving pocket, when you get him on the run, he's better on the run anyway, and you've got to be able to move him around so that, all right, if Donald breaks free, at least you're moving Dak away from the situation. 
You've, you've got to find a way to schematically get him on the move, have a safe route, something he can just dump it. That's where Zeke's come in so Well, no one's going to make you feel better schematically than the combination of Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan. So you're in the best of hands, all right? Love the uh, sarcasm. And uh, listen, all you can do is just thank God that Brian Schottenheimer's not calling your plays this week. All right, and the other good thing is... Well, he's not calling it for the Rams either. No, absolutely not. So does Shot that help me. us? No, well... Jeez. <laughs> I'm trying to go glass half full, No, you're it. not. You're I just told so you we were going to lose because of the tree You just said the Cowboys are going to lose. You're picking the Rams, and now you're talking about Brian Schottenheimer, who's not even coaching in this game. Sean McVay and Rod Marinelli had... This is like their 10th matchup in the last, like, four years. We've got Chris Richard up in this piece now, Mother Liquor. No, I hear you. No, but but what I'm saying is, is you mentioned, you referenced last year's game where Chris Richard was not involved, Rod Marinelli was manning the Cowboys' defense, and... You like the, 30 the way football Dallas really played, good. Yeah. even though Todd Gurley had a career day against you guys. Second half was brutal. Mostly through the air. Now, granted, yes, I don't know if Sean true. Lee played in that game. Sean Lee got hurt in that game. In that game. Okay, so that that means anything that Gurley oh, did guess, at that yeah, point. For the I second am, half, he wasn't on the field. I am totally, that means, you know, you get a pass for that because Vander Esch and Jalen Smith are not going to allow, you know, Todd Gurley to go for like 100 receiving yards like he did in that game. Okay, that's interesting. Now that you bring this up, can you think of the Cowboys getting beaten on a screen this year? Like any screen for a big chunk? Because that's what the Rams Um, love to do. They love that little slip screen to Gurley. They fake a lot of motion. They'll even fake a screen on the other side and then they'll slip it underneath to Gurley. And if the Cowboys do, their linebacking speed and their speed is outstanding and why they're so good. If they can sniff that out, which I think they've done all year, like I can't think of a screen that's really caught them in a meaningful time in a football game. Yeah, I mean, and and you've watched more Cowboys football than I have, so I feel like you'd be the better judge of this, but I can't recall. I don't know if Saquon Barkley had a moment or two. He's Maybe a guy in the that first game week one, but no, not in the second meeting. The second meeting, he did his damn. He had one really big run. Uh, the rest of it. Cowboys held him in check. I would for the imagine of it. the Colts had to have had something. May- because Mack that was, was the mostly one on game. the ground, though. I can't think of a. That was the one game where your defense just of a wasn't. Itself. Yeah, that was. That um, was. But but it's it's a solid noted point by you that this team it hasn't been overly susceptible to the screen game, which is something that the Rams really really thrive on. But also, no one besides maybe the Chiefs, you know, have a better execution well, the in their Saints. screen game. And the Cowboys gobbled all that up. That, yeah, they tried true. it with Thomas. They tried that's it with true. Kamara. They tried it with Ingram. I mean, they tried it with everybody in that game. I do game. think the Rams are on another level when it comes to their design and their screens. Like you mentioned, they, they'll fake well, just it here, to, fake I mean, it there, so action here, it. and then, oh, crap, we're going back to Gurley here. It's like we've already faked it to him four times. We're going to end up getting it to him, and he's going to go for 30. Yeah, so the Rams, listen, the Rams are an interesting bunch, man, and you're going up against a Wade Phillips defense who's familiar with everything Jason Garrett and Scott Lanahan do, and you got Rod Marinelli. And Chris Richard, who are incredibly familiar with everything that Sean McVay wants to do, dating back to his days in Washington. So, I mean, there's a lot of familiarity between the coaching staffs, and that's certainly going to play a role. I don't know who that gives an advantage to, but it's going to come down, at the end of the day, to execution. Which team's going to do it better? And the Rams, when you look at their screen game, and they've been really freaking good at it. They have been good. Uh, Naheem Hines had four catches, 45 yards in that game against the Cowboys. But right. I don't think, I can't really think of a screenplay. I think a lot of that was just checkdowns, and the Cowboys defense didn't show up. 
Otherwise, there doesn't look like there's really a, a back that's had a ton of receiving success against Dallas. So that that's an interesting thing to watch. I think if the Cowboys can nullify Gurley out of the backfield uh, and, and really just the screens in general because they'll run him with Cooks, they'll run him with Woods. They like that. Oh. And they like to get their receivers involved they'll in the run game. Freaking Everett. Yeah, they're 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 about that. Uh they're about that life. And I think that Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, especially now when you have the activeness of an Antoine Woods who's getting out there in space and making plays. Yeah. Uh yeah. Demarcus Lawrence has done an excellent job on that as well this year. Yeah, I like that again. I, the, I think that that's pretty good. This is just the game where... They need to bully Jared Goff. And, and no doubt... They've got to be bullies on defense. The, the But I was going to say this is the game for the Cowboys' offense. I mean, this is where they have to stand up and really, really put their foot down and do something because the defense has carried you all season long. Okay, And they did it in the last game when they dominated the entire first half and all you could give them was like a three-point lead. Okay, you're going to have to do better than that offensively this week. It's going to be, it, it'll be insane if you can keep these guys from scoring under 24 points. I mean, that's just not going to happen. You're going to, you're the Cowboys offense. You got to be thinking going into this game, 30 points or we lose. So that means your red zone offense. That means your passing game down the field. Amari Cooper, we need those big games. I know you say Dak, he's not always going to give you the 300 yards and three touchdowns. Well, hey, guess what? This is one of those games we're going to need it from you. You're not in the cold. You're not in the Superdome. You're out in L.A. The weather's beautiful. It's a crisp 72 degrees, big boy. There's a lot of Cowboys fans in the stadium. You're going up against a weak defense. Go up there and put 30 points. Go up there and put 35. You can't put all the pressure in the world on your defense. You've done it all year long, and now when it comes to the playoffs, you're up against a team who's rested more talented than you, and is known for putting up points. Hey, offense, go show me something. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I do think that Dak Prescott and this offense are going to need to put up something. I think, again, the run game is going to dominate, and the Cowboys aren't going to change who they are. But if Dak can hit the ball, and I said this coming into the Seattle game, like, man, this defense and this team, or this offense and this team would be so hard to beat if they found a way to just connect consistently on that deep ball to Gallup that has seemingly been there all season long. Yep. If and they it's getting better. Hit on that Gallup's once, getting better. There's some growth. You know, and then it also saves your red zone issues because if you hit on the 40 to 60 yard bomb, you're not worried about first and goal, second yep. and goal, third and goal. It's done with. Now, the one counter I have is the Cowboys defense just hasn't allowed over 24 points to a team. Over 20 points to a team. I mean, you look at the Giants game at the end of the season. Outside of that, the most points they allowed all season was to the Tennessee Bleepin' Titans on that Monday night collapse, which was 28. What about that Colts game? How much did they give up in the 23. Colts game? 23. 23. And that still was not, their still not worst crazy. performance of the season sure, sure. by a mile. No doubt. The team didn't show up. But talk to me. Have they seen an offense anywhere the near Saints. the Rams? Okay, that's true. The Saints. The Saints. Right? And yep. what they did against the Seahawks I thought was pretty impressive. Sure, but you're talking, I mean, that's that's a completely different level playing field. No, but about in the, the playoffs, caliber. which quarterback do you think would be better? If this was Seattle and L.A., who would you give the quarterback advantage to, Russell Wilson or Jared oh, Goff? Oh, no question. So you were still playing against a very game-caliber quarterback. And Don't Russell forget Wilson, about the shot. That deserves success. 
That that's not the Cowboys' fault. No, I know, but I'm just saying. And, if but you, you might if you have had some Ram fans that think Wilson. That's a completely different. It Seattle could be offense. no doubt, but you might also have some Ram fans that think they need to run Todd Gurley a little bit more. I mean, you look back at that Chiefs game. Todd Gurley wasn't even. He's the he didn't have a touchdown in that yeah. game. It was a touchdown party, and Todd Gurley didn't have one. That was the beginning of the Todd Gurley health issues, though. Um, and how healthy is Gurley going to be? That's another great thing to bring up. Now, he has had like three weeks off, though, because he, has. he hasn't really been playing. They've been starting C.J. Anderson, who has also had huge success in the time that he's been playing there the last couple of weeks. Plus, you get the week off. So, I mean, he's had two, three, you know, plus weeks to rest. He's probably as healthy as he's been since, you know, earlier in the season. So, but that certainly plays a factor, no question. But I think when you look back at that Kansas City game, that was sort of the beginning of the Todd Gurley's a little bit banged up. He's probably healthier now, and they got more of a one-two punch when you think about C.J. Anderson. I just think your defense has carried you all season long. If you're the offense going into it's this game, it's time to pick up the slack. It's a time bit. to pick up some slack, and um, you know your your defense. It's it's not the easiest thing in the world to go on the road against a top three offense in a league who's got an extra week to prepare and is a little bit more rested than you, um, and they're coming in to to just freaking load up the scoreboard. The Cowboys offensively absolutely need to be thinking to themselves: thirty points. Let's let's cut our defense a little bit of slack here. Now, Chi, I'll say this though: if they go ahead and convert in the red zone. And some of those field goals or touchdowns, there's your problem right there. It's solved. There you go. No question. You know? You're putting up the points. If you're able that. to just convert and get those touchdowns, and the stat line of Dak's not going to be a, a lot different. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll have an extra touchdown pass or a touchdown run. But if you're able to convert instead of kicking three field goals like they did against the Seahawks, or you know you even attempted one that was missed by Maher, that long one yeah. that tilted the field position, yeah. which I wonder if they do that again, you know, knowing that he missed that. I mean, the guy has made some lengthy kicks, but that could have been a huge momentum shifter in that football game. The fact that the defense came out and bailed you out again. Yeah, I think it's a little bit hindsight on it. I, I totally get the argument for in a field position game that was. Yeah. I mean, just taking the punt and just going with that, playing the field position game. But at the same time, I also understand that, listen, my kicker has been pretty money from this distance. We're at home, indoors. Why not go for it? So I'm not going to crap on Garrett for that call. But that's certainly something that people were questioning. Uh, but back to this Rams game. The other thing that I want to note, I mean, if you're Wade Phillips and you're the you know, Rams defense, aren't you coming into this game thinking, you know what, we don't stop the run very well. Dallas obviously is going to want to establish the run early and often. Why don't we come out and sell out for the freaking run and force Dak to have to beat us? And you know what, Dak, if you do, great. I'll shake your hand at the end of the game and give you a tip of the cap. You beat us, bro. Shouldn't that be every defensive coordinator's game plan against the Cowboys? Absolutely. It should always be. Absolutely. It should always be. They, you know they're going to want to run Ezekiel Elliott. But especially when you've you got to find stop a way to stop well. Z. Like some teams can, like, they don't have to sell out for the run and they can still have good success in, in the run game defensively. The Rams are really bad against the run. The I mean, issue that's the Rams the have is they made the trades and they signed and brought in Peters and Tlaib, and they haven't played well. Yeah. And Amari Cooper has torched Marcus Peters throughout some of their battles. Last that's year, true. that the game West, Oakland, against Kansas, Kansas City, City I right. think Cooper had his best game 
against Marcus Peters. Yeah, that was a Thursday nighter. I remember that one. So you can do that, but that's why the Cowboys made the trade for Amari Cooper. And then it comes time for Cooper, Gallup, Beasley. Win your matchups. Dak, make the pass. I think that's, I think if I'm Wade Phillips, I think I'd take my chances with that. And I, and I think you're right. Any defensive coordinator probably would, but especially a team like the Rams who does not stop the run well. You know, let's just let's put the ball in Dak's hands for 60 minutes and see if he can do it. And if he does, great. Um, but I, I would take my chances on that if I'm if I'm Wade. That's just my that's just my thoughts. Trying to put myself in the shoes of the opposite squad here and what what game plan they're probably going to come at you. I'm just I'm just sending the dogs, baby. Connor Williams, you are about to get blowed up, bro. We're about to just send everybody at you. Zeke, we're going to suffocate you. Hopefully. Hopefully. Force yeah. Dak to do it. And and again, if he does, fantastic. It's even though, will that work? I mean, there's a reason Ezekiel Elliott's the rushing champion. Yeah, no I mean, doubt. Teams have done that to him. They've loaded the box against this Cowboys team the whole year long, and Zeke still found a way to have success. But in that situation. And that's why the Cowboys should be confident. They should be. You're Extremely. right. Extremely. There's a lot to like. And your point of the Cowboys have a lot of things. They can win you a lot of games this time of year. And the fact that they've got a dominant running game and probably the best defense in the game. And a quarterback you you trust in big moments. I can't name another team that they're going to play that they're not in that situation. If they play the Saints, they've still got the better running game and the better defense. It's a little more more of a draw when it comes. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But when you have the... When you have the when the running game's not way better and the defense isn't, though it is better, not head and shoulders better, like better than the than the Rams, and you're talking about Drew Has Brees. The Saints running game and you're really talking been about that in good, the though, Superdome the last couple months of the year. Well, I mean, like, I think the Saints are still living off a lot of that reputation of that twelve and one start or whatever the heck they had. But when you've watched them play the last few weeks, Alan Kamara hasn't been that good. Mark Ingram hasn't been that good. Seattle should have beaten them, or Pittsburgh should have beaten them. Yeah, at at homes, Saints were at home a couple weeks ago. Ever since that Philly game, and the Cowboys smacked them. When this team struggled to beat the Bucks, they struggled to beat the Steelers, they struggled to beat the Panthers. They haven't looked good. No, I hear you. They, they, their defense has carried them a little. And bit And I think the Eagles should have confidence. Yeah. As much as the Eagles got shellacked in that first game, the Eagles should feel pretty good. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, bottom line is, no, no matter what, and, and particularly for this game, for the Dallas Cowboys, as we wrap up Cowboys conversation, I, I you got to be confident. Uh, I think that. But you th- think Rams win? I I I am picking the. Rams. I want a prediction and I want a score. I am picking the Rams. I think I think the Rams get to thirty, and I don't think the Cowboys do. Um, I do think that as much as we want to joke about Connor Williams being a, p- I do think he is a massive liability. When it comes to Aaron Donald and, and and Sue, I mean it's not just Donald; it's also Sue that can throw him around like a rag doll. What's their game plan for that? And how? Not only just in the running game, but I'm almost more in the passing game. How much is that going to just completely ruin what Dak's trying to do when he's got Donald breathing down his neck? So I'm going 30, 21, Rams. Wow. All because of Connor Williams, huh? It, I would say it's about 60% because I of Connor Williams. I hate you. Williams. You're dead to me. Connor? You. It's a terrible pick. 
I'm picking the Cowboys in this one. You should feel good because anytime I have I've been to. really confident about the Cowboys, I've and I've told you I've guaranteed victories. They have come up short. I'm picking against them. Let's see what the Cowboys can do. Prove me wrong, Although boys. You, you picked them to beat Seattle, and they did. I did pick them to, to beat Seattle. That's true. That's true. I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one. I think it's going to be close. Like I'm said. honestly surprised. Wow. You but, went out. Uh, I've got to really, I got to stick with my guys. Hey, listen, I respect it. I, I got to roll it. with them. Give me a score. When you go Cowboys 31. Rams they break 20. the 30 barrier. They do it. And the Rams get to 23. Talk to me about Zeke's game. Oh, Zeke's going to have 150 total yards and two touchdowns. Dak? Dak will have 237 passing yards and two touchdowns. One to Zeke through the air. I like it. And one rushing. We are the Nosebleed Seeds. Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo. That's Cowboys Conversation. Excellent! <laughs> you got the uh, NFL bed? Yeah, the NFL music? Yeah, why don't you say that and then I'll play the music. Okay. But now on the Nosebleed Seats podcast, Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chiafalo. Let's go around the NFL playoffs and the coaching carousel. So much is going on in the National Football League. And this is our around the NFL playoffs and coaching carousel edition. Let's start off with the coaches. We just did a lot. We just dove into Cowboys Rams. We can dive back into recapping some of the greatness from the wild card round and then previewing the rest of the divisional games in a moment. But there's a lot of coaching, hirings, and firings. I mean, heck, there might have been some stuff that's happened as we're on now. Uh, stuff that breaks an hour after we we unleash this. I mean, this is a fast-moving situation. Currently, we've got three new hires. Three. Count them. One, two, three. One, two, three. Which which voice? Which uh, vacancy? Why did I say voice? I don't know. Which vacancy do you think has been filled? Oh, man. Well, there was eight, right? Oh, there's been eight. There was eight to there's start eight. things off. Eight. Yeah, one is of which, this year? Is one of which is my dog. What's the average? Six? I think, I think eight's roughly right. I mean, it's usually about a... I mean, damn near a third like a quarter, of the league yeah, yeah. is like turning over their coaches. Jeez, just no patience year. these days. No, zero patience. And uh, we need the young, sexy guy who's been near the other young, sexy guy who's had success with quarterbacks. That's pretty much uh, the standard now if you want to be a head That's coach. what it seems like when Except you look at Except for Bruce Arians. Well, okay, so. You want to start had- in Tampa? Bruce Arians is the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's reportedly also bringing. One Byron Leftwich with him to be his offensive coordinator. Wow. And Todd Bowles. TB. Formerly the head coach of the New York football Jets or the Jeets. 2017 NFL Draft. The New York J-E-T-E Jets. Select Artarius Stewart, receiver, Alabama. Uh, he's the defensive coordinator. So Arians is already in Tampa. Already, in my opinion, the best head coaching hire of this entire coaching offseason hirings and firings. Best move made. And he's got his staff together. Look, the Cardinals offense looked a little bit better when Byron Leftwich took over. I trust Bruce Arians. He might still end up calling the plays regardless. So I don't know if Byron Leftwich will be the play caller. And Todd Bowles, we know, is an outstanding defensive coordinator. So a good job for Arians. I thought, look, Bruce Arians is a proven guy. You look at his track record. 
won Super Bowls in Pittsburgh, went to Indianapolis with Chuck Pagano, ended up being the head coach of the Colts when Pagano was out due to the cancer situation, was amazing, should have really been coach of the year that year for the Colts, then goes to Arizona, takes them to an NFC Championship game. This dude's one of the best in the business. And he came out banging on the table saying he wanted to go to Cleveland. And to me, ultimately, this is just another Browns misfire. Like, are you kidding me? They still haven't hired anyone. And you had Bruce Arians, who was screaming loud and proud about how he wants to go to Cleveland. He'd only come out of retirement for Cleveland. And then you just ant Nance and fart around. Here's the Bucks job open. He's seen some things he likes about the Bucks job. They offer it to him because they're not complete morons. He says, okay. And now the Browns are going to end up with Stavsky or some weird freaking dude that Fred took over. Kitchens. Or Fred Kitchens. Two guys who were not offensive coordinators to he start like the season, but took over midway through due to firings on the staff. Fred actually looks like a guy who spent quite some time in a kitchen. Um, and I apologize. Jenny's fat. Are you fat shaming again? I you did. have a track record of this. I did do that. I am fat. You do know that, right? What? It's somewhat offensive, oh, the fact that you quit stop. Fat Patricia. You are not fat. I can't think of Fat Patricia, and the first <laughs> thing that comes up to me anytime he's brought up in my mind, if I see him, if I'm talking about him, if I read an article, the first thing that comes into my head when I see, hear, or read Matt Patricia at all picture You mean image, Fat Patricia? Is Fat Patricia. Yeah. You have done it to me. It's so rude. Sorry. Listen, I apologize. That uh, It sounds like... Uh, you're kind of a fat shamer as well. If you call him Fat Patricia. No, I, I mean, am not saying it out loud. I just think it in my head because I'm thinking of you. Gotcha. Well, the other thing about Fat is he's also extremely unkempt. His name's Pat. Excuse me. I thought it was Matt. And he's had these reoccurring sexual harassment charges keep popping up for this guy. Yeah. Not a good look. No. You're fat, not unkempt, at all. and you're a harasser. Gosh. Not good. Uh, you know what? When you think about teams that should have got rid of their coach, the Lions are one of them. I mean, I think that was a big, fat swing and a miss. Sorry for the fat <laughs> reference there. Um, you think Bruce Arians would have been interested <laughs> in the Detroit job? No, Bruce Arians wasn't in, interested in coaching Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I'm surprised he I'm was surprised even willing to go to the Tampa Bay job. I'm surpri- I am, too. The bottom line is this guy just loves football. He couldn't stay out of it. He retired and said, you know what, I'll go in the booth and watch all these NFL games and talk about them. And then he said, you know what, that wasn't quite good enough. Let me get back in this thing. I know I'm a little bit older. Uh, but who gives a belief? And I love Bruce Arians. Here's the thing that I want to say before we get into the rest of these coaches' deals. I I can make an argument as to why I don't think some of these are good or why I do think some of these are good, but at the end of the day, when it comes to these, I I don't really fault these organizations for whatever it is they decide to do because it's like it's it's a total crapshoot when it comes to this stuff. No one thought Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson was literally ranked the worst hire of that offseason, whatever year it was that he got hired. Next thing you know, he's winning the bleeping Super Bowl. Okay? No one, you know, J- John Harbaugh was a special teams coach that no one knew who the bleep he was, and now he's like 10 years running in Baltimore, and oh, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. Like, Some of these guys, it's just you don't know who's going to be uh, an awesome coach. Some of them, they work out for you, and and they didn't think they would. Look at Frank Reich in Indianapolis. That was their last option. 
They were pissed that they had him. They didn't even want him. They had four other guys that they wanted to have. Yeah, he definitely was like the third. And it's like, all right, option. we'll take a, we'll take you, Frank. Next thing you know, they're the one of the hottest. I said teams it at the time. The I thought it would league. end up being a huge benefit for them. Yeah, no, you did, and that was a great call by you. But I mean, it's just all. It's so. It's so random, and, and there's so much that goes into it. And it's like, do you have a quarterback? Do you not? You know, Bill Belichick can go in Cleveland and suck because it's Cleveland and he doesn't have a quarterback. And then he goes to New England. Oh, my God, he gets the best quarterback of all time, and now he's the best coach of all time. It's just there's so much bull crap that goes into it that, it, it listen, hire the guy, and if it doesn't work, good news is you can turn around in two freaking years and try or one in the NFL nowadays. Yeah, that's true. Look at Steve Wilkes over there in Arizona. I mean, literally, I don't think he lived in his house in Arizona for an entire year. All right, well, are you done? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Sorry. So after all that, I can't say that that's not a good point. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But you, man. Man. You, dude. Do what the... Yeah. You just completely killed the segment because what am I going to do? I'm going to go down and I'm going to name these other guys and I'm going to want to know, do you like it or do you not? Why? Why not? And now you've just told me it doesn't really matter. Do so why even talk about dude, it? What the, you why about? even have a podcast and do this segment at all? Huh? That's why. Why, why have a show? Because Eric says it doesn't matter. That's why. I preface- because everyone's going to rip on Cliff Kingsbury like I'm about to do. And 10 years from now, Kingsbury might be the sexiest, best coach in the league. He's already top five sexiest. So, man. Listen, man. Is- hey, here's the deal. That's why I preface <laughs> by saying I can still tell you why I think one thing's a good idea, why one thing's not a good idea. I'd be happy to do that. But I just wanted to preface by saying, as a whole, we really don't no, know. No, that's not true. You and I know. We know. Well, we know. I, I mean, I, everyone else. Know. They these lists that co- they come out with are baloney. Don't read it. Don't believe it. It's poppycock. It's hogswall. Especially you, Gilbrant. No, Gil's been quite genius. His actually, list, his lately. lists have sucked. Okay, his list for the running backs list was atrocious. But Gil has come out with some Gil bombs that have been on fire lately. He called Kingsbury to the two NFL. months ago. Yeah. And his next one, by the way, you know what his other one is? Kyler, Kyler Murray, Murray going back to Oklahoma. Back to Oklahoma Are you to play and quarterback. Me? I didn't know that that was even an option. I didn't know that was even an option either. Gills out here. I mean, that's what happens. When All you of a sudden, Oklahoma wants to try and play Clemson. When you have eternal knowledge in the national like the championship game, holy cow! I mean, when you've been on the uh, on the earth since the day it began, you kind of have just a built-in knowledge that the rest of us can't have, and that's where Gil's at. Look, I've got some advice for Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. For Gil? Find a four-year deal for the fifth-year team option. For Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. For whoever is the coach with the Jets, it looks like it might be Mike McCarthy. Whoever gets the job in Miami or Denver or Cincinnati. Really anywhere, well, not Cleveland because you just took a quarterback, and not Green Bay because you have Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, Matt LaFleur, you're not off the hook. You got to go out and you got to win now. You've probably got the most pressure. Good freaking luck, Matt LaFleur. But again, young and sexy, so he fits the mold. Literally, and he's that, from the McVay tree. That's and literally that's a good it. tree. Like, were you next to the guy who had success? Mind. And yeah, are you an offensive? Well, who mind? is Clemson next to or Cliff next to? Cliff? 
Well, Cliff was uh, Cliff is just Cliff's just a sexy offensive mind. Cliff's just a sexy and offensive young. mind. Exactly, he's young, he's sexy, and he supposedly has the quarterback guru. Even though, yeah, which is so dumb. I mean, he took extremely talented quarterbacks and had a very quarterback friendly system, which is really Mike Leach's. Mike Leach is the guy who should have been hired by the Arizona freaking Cardinals. The dude who actually won in Lubbock. The dude who Cliff Kingsbury played under, put up crazy Buku stats. The guy he's formed his offense off of that's resulted in crazy Buku stats for the quarterbacks that have played under him. But yet he kind of sucked as a head coach in college football. Was hired as an offensive coordinator in college football. And then randomly gets hired as a head coach in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, it's it a is, very strange and yeah. weird progression. It is crazy to get fired from your college job for and having a losing record there and then going to the NFL as a head coach. Now, if he was hired as an offensive coordinator for any team, I, I would, would love be excited. to play Scott Linnapoo you know? here in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. But for him to be your CEO, your head football coach, that seems like a stretch. But again, with all these, you, you take your chance and you see what happens. Um, I think w- uh, with LaFleur, Le- that dude, man, what? I, Green Bay is funny, dude, because they take a guy who is strictly getting the job because truly he's young, he's handsome, and he has worked next to Mike Sh- er, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And they've completely taken out the fact that he was the offensive coordinator for Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. And Stunk. they were terrible offensively. Their passing game was one of the worst in the entire league. They didn't realize they had the great bouldering Derrick Henry until week 16. They never do until December. They just refuse to play him. And this is the guy that they are hiring to be their uh, their head coach. And, and you're coaching, you're coming into a situation where you're coaching a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's not just going to respect you. Because you've just become the head coach. Do you not coach. think Rodgers had a, any say in the okaying no, of, you don't? I don't, and I think that's dumb, but that Green Bay has shown, they've come out and said, Rodgers is, we're, we're not, we don't consult Rodgers on our roster moves. We don't consult Rodgers on if we're going to fire Mike McCarthy. We don't consult Rodgers if we're going to stick with Joe Philbin. I mean, honestly, it might be good because that they're not listening to Rodgers because he would have probably... Try to keep Joe Philbin there as head coach. Or go get out of Which is, good God, that's insane. Um, to be completely honest with you, I think Green Bay would have been better off hiring Adam Gaze. Mm-hmm. A guy who's at least had the head he coach experience. from there, did he not? No, no, no. Adam was Gaze. he not no see there? No, he was Where not. Where was he? He was not. Denver? He was Denver. Okay. He was Denver. He had that. He did some Tebow with stuff. The Tebow he did some stuff. Peyton Manning stuff. That's right. Stuff. That's right. Um, and he's got a lineage with Nick Saban and, and things like that. But I actually think Adam Gase might end up as the offensive coordinator for Alabama um, because these head coaching jobs are. Jeez, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind here. him with the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I hear you. If I'm the Cowboys. He's not a bad OC. He, he's not. Yeah, I, he's, he's, cre- he's proven the fact that he's creative. I mean, I mean he, uh, he's, yeah, he's, shown he's been some able to creativity. win some games with Tim Tebow as a starting quarterback. He can get by with one Dak Prescott. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that's very, very true. And he won a handful of games, even with Ryan Tannehill. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see what ends up Back happening. Back to my original game. point, though. The advice that I have is, yeah, yeah. guys, other than Matt LaFleur because you have a quarterback, and other than whoever gets the Cleveland job because you just took Baker Mayfield, 
You need to sign this contract, but go to management and ownership and say, guys, if we want to win, we need a stink, absolute poo in two years, get the number one overall pick, and get Trevor Lawrence up in this piece. Mm. He is the savior. Whoever gets the first overall pick in the, what will it be, the 2021 NFL draft, you will be saved. The football gods have come for you, and they have said, here we go. Go ahead. This is football, baby. Moses or Jesus or Muhammad, whatever faith you follow, this is that Lord. Trevor Lawrence is the greatest football creation at the quarterback position I've ever seen. He is a surefire home run if he stays healthy. And this kid is just, he doesn't seem like the kind of dude that's going to have those issues. Like, all he does is eat, breathe. I think he's a virgin. Like, he's everything. He's Tim Tebow, but talented. Yeah, he's Tim Tebow, but he's Peyton Manning. Yes. (laughs) Who can run? It's un. (laughs) Freaking believable, uh, I mean, yeah, this kid. It's re- it's remarkable. You're right. Trevor Lawrence is so, the man. Really, you need to pull an Oakland, but you need to get as many 2021 picks. Yeah, just start as mortgaging everything for 2021 draft picks. You know what? Green Bay should just trade Aaron Rodgers. Wow, Trevor Lawrence is going to be better. Well, here's the thing: you can you can act, you can be decent this next year. It's just the year after that you really you really need to stink. Yeah. So ride out Rodgers one more year. Then trade him, flip him to Oakland. Then go get the number one pick and take yourself Lawrence. Yeah, that's not a bad idea for LeFleur. I hope you're listening, Matt. I hope you're listening. Now, at some point, we'll have to come out with our new uh, sexiest head coach rankings. I think he well, immediately— Well, now there's a shake-up. Now there's like an actual conversation. Yeah. It's not just Sean at the top. Yeah. I mean, he probably still will be at the top. Likely. But now we've actually got a solid top five. Yeah. You, know, you don't have some people leaking their way in there. Yeah, but I mean, John Harbaugh was leaking his way into the top five, man. Yeah, that's true. And though I think he's a hard top ten guarantee, when he's creeping in your top five, you know that the talent pools is lacking. Very and Lafleur so. absolutely boosts that tremendously. So you know, I'll I'll uh, you know I'll put my hard hat on and I will get to work on that research. Come back with at least a top ten list for you. All right. So the still vacant openings. You've got the Jets, where it seems like they're going to end up going Mike McCarthy. Okay. Unless there's a wild card. McCarthy said he's does he's taking his name out of the running, for and he only wants to coach for the Jets. Gotcha. He I don't wants, know what it is he about wants New York. The, he wants that fat face he of wants Sammy Darnold. D. He's like, you know what, at least, at least i got a quarterback to work with. So I would think the Jets do end up with McCarthy. I mean, who better are they going to go for? Unless they really love Chris Richard. Yeah, if they like Richard, obviously that's an option. I do think, though, that they want to go offense. They just had the defensive coach in Todd Bowles. They got the young quarterback that they believe in. I think they want to go offensive. And, you know, in terms of experience, veteran, uh, been there, done that kind of guy, I think Mike McCarthy's probably their best option. Then you have the Denver Broncos, who are rumored for Mike Munchak, who's the former head coach of the Tennessee Titans was the offensive line coach in Pittsburgh when he's a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. I don't understand why Mike Munchak is still being interviewed for head coaching positions. Yeah, He's not a head coach. I think it's proven. Great guy. He's a great offensive line coach. Maybe the best offensive line coach in football. If you want to say that, I'm not going to argue that. But he is what he is. He might be a leader. He might be a guy who can galvanize the locker room, and those are certain qualities you look for in a head coach. But in terms of... A football team like the Denver Broncos, who are fading with 
or an aging defensive talent pool. You have Von Miller, sure, and you got Bradley Chubb, but some of the things that made that defense elite, like the secondary, they're aging and leaving due to release, trade, injury, whatever it might be. That's a football team that needs, I think, a legit young, try-and-go-the-up-and-coming route. If they're going to go Mike Munchak, it's essentially going back to, like, the Kubiak wheel. You know, let's just get an older veteran guy in here to just kind of get us by for a few years until we want to completely remodel this football team. I think John Elway is going to be out of the door with Mike Munchak when this is all said and done. Unless he finds a way to get himself Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, because seriously, that's the same. He has right not been everybody. able to identify quarterback talent. If it weren't for winning the Peyton Manning sweepstakes, that dude would have a terrible history as an NFL general manager. Yeah, that's very very true. The only thing with Elway is he's such a. I mean, he's the he's the face. He's, John he's so beloved. He's a god. In yeah, yeah. So getting rid of him is not the easiest thing in the world. Munchak and company are going to have to really really suck ace. Uh, now the thing when you hire a guy like Munchak. The, the coordinators that he hires become more so much more important because he's not Agreed. running your offense. He's but not. It seems calling like some of plays. the top coordinators, Dirk Cutter's already signed in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, some, and that's what I'm worried about with the Cowboys a little bit. Is, is this run continues? Obviously, I hope it goes as long as deep as possible. But I do think, regardless of if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, you might see a team, the first ever Super Bowl champion, fire their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I still think no matter what. No matter what your end result is, the Cowboys have to part ways with Scott Linehan, and they need a fresh, new OC. And the deeper they go, the 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 well is drying yeah. rapidly. I agree so I don't know you. who Munchak would get. I mean, who who out there is left in terms of the potential offensive coordinators you could go? Well, I mean, off the top of my head, it's, I mean, I can't. I guess Adam Gase, yeah, uh, I mean, a name we talked a about. A guy like Gase, but I don't think him and uh, Elway are are overly tight anymore. I don't think a Broncos reunion is going to be there for Gaze. But the thing about all these coaches, Munchak, any of these guys that are up for a position, they already have in their mind who their co- their coordinators and their staff's going to be. I mean, that's part of the interview process. If I'm Mun- Mike Munchak and I'm sitting down with the Broncos, part of what I'm doing is letting them know, okay, when you hire me, this is who I want as my offensive coordinator. This is who's going to be my defensive coordinator. So he's already got that plan. So he already knows who those guys are going to be. And that goes for the rest of these head coaches that are being interviewed. I mean, that's part of the interview process. These The, the executives want to know, okay, when we hire you, who are you bringing with you? So even though I don't know and you don't know, Munchak knows who he would bring. And again, a guy like Munchak, his coordinators would be you know, incredibly vital because, again, he's not calling plays on either side of the ball. He's becoming more of your CEO kind of head coach, your your Pete Carroll, you know what I'm saying? These kind of coaches that aren't necessarily, you're not sure, like, is he a defensive guy? Is he an offensive guy? Is he, like, what exactly? I'll tell you what, you get the guy like that who you just come in there and change the culture, you know what I'm saying? The John Harbaugh, you know what I'm saying? He's not calling the defense. He's not calling the offense. He's, he's a walk got around guys for that. He's, he's a monitoring around. everything. He's a CEO. He's kind of like what Jason Garrett almost is at this point for Dallas, even though you know he leans offense. He's kind of just the de facto CEO. He's going to keep the guys motivated. He's going to keep everybody in line. He's going to be the face. He's going to be the voice of the team, and he's going to make sure the culture is what it needs to be. And to be completely honest with you, I like that strategy from you know when it comes to hiring the head coach I know the hot thing to do right now is to go get the guy who supposedly is a quarterback whisperer or an, a young offensive guru 
But I you're like probably the idea. miss on the majority of those guys. I hear you. I mean, it's tough to find Sean McVay's. I, I personally think this Kingsbury deal is going to crash and fail yeah. and burn miserably in Arizona. Yeah. I, I don't um, think it's going to. I think Matt LaFleur might be a similar deal in, in Green Bay. I agree. I agree. I think these guys are made at this point in their careers with the with the age they are and the NFL experience that they have. These guys are meant to be offensive coordinators right now. And when they are your offensive coordinator, you feel great about that. But I want a I, – for me, I if I was a team hiring a coach right now, I want to go for the CEO-style head coach. You want coach. the field general. Absolutely. And then he will appoint his guy for defense, and he will appoint his guy for offense – you go run your show, a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, a guy like LaFleur, you know, those are the kind, a guy like Adam Gaze, whatever. That's that's the kind of thing that I would want to do if I was the one hiring the coach right now. That's interesting, but it's not what you want the Dolphins to do. For the Dolphins, so for the, for the Dolphins, initially that sort of is kind of. I mean, I wanted because them. Because I've seen you pump, and I think you might have mentioned it, the Fangio, like a, like a blend of Fangio is your head coach, and then he hires the young, sexy guy as your OC, like a Kafka. Absolutely, and that was that's what I tweeted out. Unfortunately, Fangio's out of the running for the Dolphins. They ended up not wanting an interview with him. I think, I think that's smart. I, I, Fangio's another guy. I think I'd rather go Munchak than Fangio. Really? To be okay. honest with you, I, I think Fangio's an excellent defensive coordinator. I don't think that guy's a head coach. Gotcha. And I can't necessarily argue with that. Um, I thought he would be able. He's he's an older guy. He's tenured. He's been around. I thought he was sort of due for that head coach opportunity. I know he can handle my defense. And then you appoint the young guy who I was pointing at Kafka as the uh, who's the current quarterbacks coach in Kansas City. Come here, be our offensive coordinator. Problem with that is he's probably going to get the promotion to offensive coordinator in Kansas City because their current offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is very well go get one of these head coaching jobs. What about Miami? Is he not in the running there? No, he is. He absolutely is in the running there. I think Miami's still, um, you know, they have a couple of options, and the enemy is absolutely. What, where else are they looking? Because the Dolphins search is one that I'm really puzzled with. I know they interviewed Chris Richard. Yeah, and Richard, uh, you know, there's conflicting reports all over the place. I really hope he, that does not work out. I, I want Chris Richard staying in Dallas. I know you do, and, and rightfully so. I understand that every Cowboys fan sh- does, and every Cowboys fan should want Richard to remain in Dallas, no question. But it does seem like Richard is pretty high on the Dolphins list. Uh, I think they, they just met with him on Sunday, and uh, they're actually scheduled a second interview with him from the reports that oh, I read. Oh, no, did so, they? Shoot. Because so they they're seem, the last team. They're, they're the last because the Bucks they hired Arians. Bucks hired him, and the, the Jets, Jets seem like they're going to go McCarthy. Absolutely. So the last on the list is the Dolphins. Yeah. Oh, those. those mm. And I think I think you think that point, that might happen? I think it's... Um, I think he probably has the highest chance right now. Really? I really do. I think um, like the, the other betting guy, odds, what do you think they are here? Um, I mean, I would put it at for Richard. The favorite would be Richard. The favorite would be Richard, I would think. And then second, man, I think second's probably either New England's defensive coordinator, who I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Flores. Um, they seem to be, you know, impressed with him. I know. Josh McDaniel, for people that aren't don't know, who's a sexy name as well with the the Patriots offense coordinator, he's removed his name. He interviewed for a couple of yeah. teams. I think they've sexier since gone name ahead. than face the Josh McDaniel. Yeah, they, he's they, still a younger guy, yes, but he's not, not, not the sexy, sexy young guy. Uh, but he's he's staying in New England. He's not going anywhere. Gotcha. So the defensive coordinator, whatever his name is, Flores. Yeah, uh, he's at he's at 
at or near the top of the Dolphins list, Richard, and then also um, uh, Bienemy, the the offensive coordinator. I mean, I'd go Bienemy for for Kansas City. Um, and to be completely honest with you, I think I'm that cool would be the best hire guys. that's not Bruce Arians. I really do because I think, just think you've seen instant success from the majority of that Andy Reid tree. I trust yeah. that tree more than any other tree right now. Yeah, that tree has has bared some fantastic fruit. Brian Flores. Brian Flores. There you go. That's the defensive coordinator for New England who, you know, Miami might be be interested in. What do you in. think about those three? So I, 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 you got Biennemi, you got Flores, you got Richard. Yeah, I mean, I think— If I'm saying, Eric, the ownership has come to me and they've said they love the show, big fans of the nosebleed seats, you're the number one Dolphins fan in America— they want you to pick their head coach. They trust your opinion. Who are you going with? Yeah, you know, and I could actually see that playing out. So I'm glad you're putting me on the spot here. This is something that could end up happening. Why not be ready for it? And if it does, you know, I think they all have, obviously, their concerns because they're all going to be first-time head coaches. Um, the other one that I want to mention is the current Dolphins special teams coach. His name's Darren Rizzi. Been with the, uh, organi- yeah, been with the organization well. for an extremely long time. Players, current and former, have been advocating for him on social media for the last week or two. Um, he is a fan favorite um, of the players and of the fans. Again, he's been with the organization for a really long time. He's relatively young, um, but he's never been a head coach in the NFL. So he's the other guy who's going to get an interview and you know is an option. Um, of those four, um, they all have their flaws. But again, as I prefaced with all this whole coaching thing, I think any one of these guys could end up working. I think they all have roughly about the same chance. Um, I have more uh, knowledge and experience with Richard, being that he's been in Dallas. I've actually gotten to be in that locker room, hold the mic in front of his face, and hear him talk, feel his energy, and 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 seeing what he's done to that defense, that team, the way everybody talks about him. They light up when they talk about him, from players to all the way up to Jerry Jones. I mean, it's hard for me not to want a guy like that who I think has the defensive knowledge but I think can be that leader, CEO, voice of the team. It's hard for me to not want him. Uh, when it comes to Biennemi, like you said, because he's close to Andy Reid and I'm getting back to that point where he was close to the guy who's had success, why not take him? He's also had the you know clearly the best offense in the, in the league. Um, and how much of that has to do with Patrick Mahomes. You know what I'm saying? And how much did he assist Patrick Mahomes in that? Those are all questions I don't know the answers to. He doesn't, even though he's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, he doesn't call the plays. Andy Reid still calls the plays. Now, granted, he's putting a ton of, you know, he's putting the game plan together and he's assisting in all of that, but he's not physically calling the plays. So it's still, it's tough for me to know exactly how much involvement, you know, and how much credit he actually deserves. I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you this. I will be happy, more happy with Bienemy or with Richard than I will with Flores. But again, it's still an unknown. Or the special Flores. team, or Rizzi, or, or Rizzi. I think Rizzi at the end of the day, he's a great special teams coach, and I'd love for him to still be the special teams coach. John Harbaugh. I would like to have my cake and eat it too. Could he be the John Harbaugh? Absolutely. Could he be? There you go. I don't know. I mean, these are all. There's. A, there, I can't be mad at any of these hires, and that even goes all the way to Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury, who I don't think deserved that job, and I don't think will have success. But at the end of the day, this whole thing is such a crapshoot. I'm not going to get on to anybody for the hires. So, and that goes fair, with the Dolphins. Fair. Any one of these four they want, I'm assuming they did the research. They felt the most confident in him. And let's see if he can be the guy. Chances are he can't, and we're going to do this again in two years. Who will be the guy, though? I think it's going to end up being Richard. 
you dare say that? I feel terrible about it. You stay away it. from my man. I know. I know, but it's it's it's, it's gonna the be last the option for I'm telling you right now, it'll be the enemy. It'll be the enemy? Yes. And here's the deal. I, I want everybody to know, Steve, I know you're listening. Mr. Ross, I'm okay. Don't you think you're going to go offense? I'm okay with any one of these. Here's the deal. Think about it. Richard's a defensive guy, and Flores, Flores is, is a defensive, defensive guy. guy. So 50% of the coaches that they're interested in right now are defensive guys. We just had an offensive coach in Adam Gaze. Before him, we had Joe Philbin, who was an offensive coach. And before him, we had, well, we had Tony Sperano, so whatever. But RIP. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so bottom line is, any one of these coaches, there's tons of unknown with them. They're all going to be first-time head coaches. So we'll see what happens. But I'm okay with whichever one they Flores or enemy. Stay the hell away from Rashard, please. I do think Flores is the least. I think I'd actually rather have Rizzi than Flores. Okay, but again, Rizzi. There's a, yeah, Rizzi's a great but story. But again, there's some ignorance there with that. I don't really know Flores. I just know he's he's been near Bill Belichick. I saw what that happened with Fat Patricia. They freaking suck. Has there been a single coach that's come from... I mean, Bill O'Brien's probably been the most successful... Mangini, oh, from the Belichick tree? flamed for a little while and then completely fell on yeah. his tokus. Well, Charlie Weiss had a hell of a run at Kansas. Oh, at Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, he was solid, terrible at Kansas, and didn't get a sniff in the pros. I think Charlie Weiss Romeo is still Cornell, getting paid by Notre Dame. By Cornell, a great coordinator, sucked. You probably yeah, Romeo, is. not a head coach. You know, there hasn't really been. Josh McDaniels was bad in Denver, yeah, and now he hasn't left New England since. Patricia, you just said probably should be fired after a year. So, I don't know. And that Belichick tree is not a tree that I want any part of. Whereas that Andy Reid tree, yeah, give me all those leaves, baby. I want all the branches. I'm with you. Hey, and that's why I have Flores. At, that's part of the reason I have Flores at the bottom of my list. It's just because when you come from New England, usually it doesn't really work out for you. So, we'll see how it plays out for the Dolphins. Um, you know, it'll probably end up being, I would think, another five days or so before they make a decision on who their guy is going to be. But uh, I lean Richard at the moment as a personal preference and as someone who I think that they're most interested in right now. Yeah, there's the Browns and then the Bengals also. Oh, uh, I forgot about the Bengals. The Bengals. I mean, I don't you just think at the end of the day it's going to be Hugh Jackson? Oh, man. I really do. That would be... I really think at the end of the day they're just going to settle and hire Hugh Jackson because that that ownership is so cheap and they just don't care. You know what? Like, them just being relevant every now and then is satisfactory. Of all the of, of all the coaches that are going to get hired, and I said I'm not going to criticize any of them, if there's a team out there that hires Hugh Jackson to be their head freaking football coach... That is very critical. You have a you bunch be. of dumbasses running your organization. So stupid. I mean, you have, you have stupid, low-IQ, dumb human beings running your organization, if you think Hugh Jackson is the head coach answer. If you want to tell me he's your offensive coordinator, I'm not going to be crazy about it, but I'm not going to go nuts on you. If you tell me he's your head coach, I'm punching you in the ear. Yeah, yeah, that is so dumb. I'd much rather take any of these other names. Any of them. Dude, I don't, I'm not a big one. Vic Give me Fangio guy. I will freaking I'll blow t- Munchak to I'll come t- be my head coach. I'll take Fangio home to you. bed, baby. Good God, Vic. Get in here, big boy. Show Woo. me what you got, Vicky. I just, I just crapped on Flores. I'll take Flores. Oh, my God. To me. I'll eat Flores with I'll, a smile you know on what, my Maybe face. he'll be the good branch. Jeez. You know, there's always one nice blossom from a tree. He'll be the first one. I know Hugh Jackson ain't blossoming dick. No, I do not want. I would have rather tried 
Kingsbury. I'll throw that dart on Cliff. Yeah, at least he's Get sexy. Jackson at least he's freaking easy on the eyes. My God, I don't want any part of that trap. Hugh Jackson looks like a chode. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's so f- I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, he's he's terrible. Hugh Jackson, there's just nothing you can say as to what would make him a good football coach. So we'll see what happens. We're the Nosebleed Seeds Podcast. Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chia, follow. There were some wild card games that have led to some very tantalizing divisional playoff matchups. We broke down the Cowboys win over the Seahawks earlier, and we previewed the upcoming matchup Saturday night, 7-15 kick on the great network that is Fox with the L.A. Rams. Before that game, there's the Kansas City Chiefs, the number one team in the American Football Conference through the Amer- the American Football Conference's regular bleeping season. They got the home seed, the home playoff seed for the playoffs, and they're number one, and they're taking on number six. Yeah. The Indianapolis bleeping Colts, who went into Houston and made mincemeat of Deshaun Watson, the Texans, and once again, and what it was a completely unsurprising moment, the Texans crapped their pants <laughs> in a playoff game. At home on Saturday in ESPN, the first wild card game, of course. <laughs> well, it just seems like it's, it happens. It's tradition, baby. It has, you know, they might be on their fifth string quarterback. This time they weren't. This time they're just relatively healthy, and they just completely pooped. They got to feel good, though. At least it wasn't at the hand of Andy Dalton, you know? That's fair. At least it's Andrew the one, Luck. The it's one like, game you know that what? the, the Bengals might win is... Andy Schmalton against the Texans. Yeah, I mean that's the only way they win a win a. They still didn't game. though. No, I don't think they won. That no, they one. didn't. No, good God. Yeah, Martin um, Lewis never won a playoff man, game. Man, the Colts there. right now are scary as hell. And I gave you a big overlying uh, preference uh, or, or preface for my head coaching conversation, and I got one for you when it comes to these playoffs. There's not a single team in any conference that's left that I want to play. From top to bottom, I don't care who it is all the teams in any good. conference. They're all any, good. All of these teams are very, very good and can beat the absolute crap out of you on any given Sunday. There's not... I mean, last year at this time, Case Keenum was still in the playoffs. Last year at this time, Blake Bortles was still in the playoffs. This year, there's not a single one of those, baby. Every one of these quarterbacks is There's not even ass, a Marcus Mariota. Including Big Dick Nick Bowles. Wow. How about him? Should it's, we call him Big Dick Nick? No, because or that's Nick we, Mullins. You can't go ahead oh, and give okay. all the Nicks the freaking nicknames. So we just call him Dick Foles? I don't think we should talk about the dong sitch for him at all. Why not? Why don't you just call him Big Game Nick? Big Dong Nick? All right, Big Dong Nick's fine. I don't mind just straight up just dick foals. Yeah, no. <laughs> it doesn't really uh, resonate well with me. Okay. I don't really like the guy, mainly because I don't like the team he plays for. As a human? Uh, I was... I uh, I hated the fact that that field goal went in, or that didn't go in, but I knew it was going to happen because this kid, Cody Parkey... Cody! Bless his freaking soul. Former Dolphin. He goes up there and he absolutely drills the first try. Oh, beautiful. And of course, you know, timeout, here we go. Doug Peterson. And I'm sitting there with a buddy of mine, and he says to me, Woolchuck, nothing good ever happens on a re-kick. He taught me that when we were watching a game six years ago, and no statement has been more true that has always stuck with me. And I looked over to him and I said, 
I think uh, it was that Vikings Blair Walsh crap. Oh, against yeah. Seattle? Yeah, that stuff was bad. That was just one of the many. Nothing good ever happens on a repeat. Very rarely. I'm going to so. do some Blair Walsh research, see what oh, he's, he's up to. He's just a days. putz. So here he comes, the Doinkalicious. The, they end up saying it was a block for the Eagles. It was, for the record. Okay, whatever. It was, sure. But it's still a miss. The point is, the kick was a miss. Yeah. Again, for the gajillion time this year, Cody Parking missed a field goal by hitting off the upright. And the smiling mascot for Chicago comes crumbling down. He can't help but smile because his face is stuck that way. But every other part of his body language was just showing utter deflation. I was sickened to see the Eagles advance and this dream of theirs continue. But from a Cowboys purpose, I would have rather gone to L.A. than yeah. to go to New Orleans. Oh, no question. 100%. That worked out beautifully. So not all bad. But, geez, you have some colossal matchups. The Colts are playing red hot with the Chiefs. Yeah, let's get back to that one really quick. Okay. I do not... I mean, and the Chiefs have a history of being utter choke artists like the Texans do. Yeah, and particularly against the Colts. Most recently, a few years ago, oh, when they, they were up by like 150 back. points. And, and you then know what? Can we give a nosebleed seats round of bleep and applause? Absolutely. To Andrew freaking Luck. He held out for better players. God, it was brilliant. He got himself two all pros. Friend Quentin of the show, Nelson Andrew. and Darius freaking Leonard. Congratulations, Andrew. The holdout worked, brother. And now you can stand tall in the pocket knowing I've got the greatest guard that's ever lived blocking in front of me. Mine is Zach Martin. And Um, Larry Allen. And I'm telling you, dude, this is going to be – now book it, and we'll talk about it next week. What, that the Colts are going to upset the Chiefs? That. Because I think it is going to happen. I'll give you that one. And then also, this will be the highest scoring game of the weekend. Mm. This will be, in terms of total points scored – I don't know what the over-under is, but I think the over-under should be at least 75. What? Yep. Man, you know the Cowboys scored the most points Wild Card Weekend with 24? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, that's pretty awesome. But you're talking about a Colts offense who can do they it sc- still in the air 21 and points on the ground. Houston. Yeah, I know, but Houston's defense, even though not great, Way better than that Kansas City offense or defense. Kansas City's defense is terrible. They're terrible at stopping the run. They're Cold terrible weather, at stopping you don't the think pass. The weather has any impact. I don't think the weather has. I mean, I don't know what the weather is going to be. I don't know what the weather be. report is, guess, but it, it is Kansas City. It'll probably be snow. Maybe, maybe not snowy, but it'll be cold. Yeah, I guess the only caveat being if there's like crazy Kansas City winds and snow. Otherwise, I think this is the highest scoring game of the weekend. I think. What's your score prediction? I'm I'm thinking whoever like forty five forty two. Yeah, I'm thinking. Really? I'm, I'm thinking one of those like forty to thirty five or forty two to thirty eight. You know, Jeez. I think it's going to be high high scoring. I think. I think the the Kansas City defense is absolute trash. The Indianapolis offense, the offensive line is unbelievable. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They can do whatever you want. Luck and T.Y. Hilton have and, an uncanny connection right now. Yes. Maybe the best wide receiver quarterback tandem left in the playoffs. Um, that's a discussion that we can absolutely It's very have. debatable. And maybe um, you'd say Breeze to Thomas. But lately, Luck's I think luck to, luck to Hilton's yeah. been way hotter. Well, and I'd rather have Luck than Breeze. I mean, that's just, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if that's bold or not, but I I think it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even talking about like for the future because obviously Breeze is older. I'm talking about even right now in these playoffs hey man, today. I, I take I'm luck an Andrew over Luck Breeze. truther from day one. Same. I love that boy. 
Well, and now he's finally got an offensive line and a running game, and I think against that Kansas City defense, they're going to just have their way with them. And then on the flip side of things, even though the Colts have a, a good defense, Kansas City's offense is, I mean, we know about them. They're unbelievable. They're going to put up their points, and I think this is going to be the one game that is absolutely a shootout, back-and-forth kind of game. Hmm. And I and I actually am picking... Um, I, I am picking Indianapolis because of their offensive line, and the only thing that the Chiefs do well defensively is pass rush, and they're not going to be able to get a single finger on Andrew Luck because of that offensive line is so good. Yeah, I, it's really going to have to be a Pat Mahomes coming out party for the Chiefs to win. Not that he hasn't had a ton of those this year, but I, there's just something about the Colts. Their defense is playing so well right now. I think it's a good matchup for them. Like if if there's this the scariest team in the playoffs, you could probably say is the Indianapolis Colts right now. I think I'm going to pick the Colts too. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you are. I think it, I, I I'd go. Do you do you think it's the highest scoring game of the weekend? Though? I think Patriots Chargers will be okay. Which I I don't know. You know I I can't say that I'm super confident in that pick. I think I, both of those defenses are too good for that. I I just I oof, the Chiefs defense is bad. But terrible, like it's like hold your nose bad. Really, you think it's worse than the Rams? Yes. Wow. Absolutely worse than the Rams. Mm. Interesting. I just think the Chiefs and, or the Patriots and Chargers offenses are both going to have success and move the football against each other. Well, I think um, I think you're going to get a vintage Tom Brady performance. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that week off is tremendously needed. No one needed it more than New England. They got it. They're at home. They never lose at home, uh, especially in the playoffs. This year, they're the only undefeated at, uh, team at home this season. They're 8-0. They haven't lost at all in Foxborough. And then when you look just in recent past in the playoffs, they never lose at home. So, they, I mean, and you know how playoff games are. You know, the weather's not probably, I mean, it's going to be at, at minimum, it's going to be bitter cold out there. Um, New England at home. Playoff games, they come down to situational football. Who's the best in the world at that? It's Bill Belichick. It's Tom Brady. I think they win this game. I don't think they go to the Super Bowl, but I do think they win this game. I think they win this game too, but I but I do think the Chargers are an outstanding football team. I couldn't and agree with you more. And what they did against Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, especially defensively. Amazing. Oh, awesome game plan. To go in there, just basically play with DBs, take out your linebackers. We want team speed. And that's a huge reason why I don't understand – why the Ravens didn't go to Lamar to Joe Flacco in the second half. Like I get it. You know, they stuck with Lamar and Lamar ended up having some success in the fourth quarter. So at the end of the day, hindsight, kudos to them for doing that. But I was thinking to myself, you know what? As bad as Lamar's looked, I think that he's a quarterback. Like you know he's your future at this point. You're playing for the now. I thought you had a chance, especially since San Diego had or excuse me, LA did it again. The Chargers had really committed to an all-stopping Lamar Jackson game plan. You might have been a little screwed had the Ravens put Flacco in the football game. Yeah, um, there was something that came out. First of all, it was like uh, he had a zero quarterback rating in the first half, Lamar Jackson, and there was a point in which he looked really bad. He went two hours of real, real two hours of time without completing a single pass Ouch. in that game. Um, and I say all that to say Marty Morningwig. You're a bleep hole, sir. That's a terrible offensive game plan that you came into that game with. After the game, the Chargers, who you had just played a couple weeks ago, said they came in there and played the exact same game that they played 
previously. They didn't tweak anything of their offensive game plan, and that is all you, Marty Morningwig. I agree with you on that, but I guess the question is, would you have gone to Flacco and given him a try with how inept Lamar looked and your offense looked for three quarters of that football game? Yeah, I mean, I I certainly get the temptation uh, for why you would want to do that, but for me, and you saw what happened. I mean, Lamar Jackson ended up, I mean, that they ended up making it a game and doing a little bit of a comeback situation there. Because so, their uh, defense played outstanding. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, that, and that's how they've obviously won all year. Um, and, and we talked about it. We've talked about it plenty. Baltimore's not the kind of team that does well playing from behind. They need to be playing with a lead. Their margin for error was pretty slim. They dug themselves quite the hole, but I like the idea of keeping my young quarterback in there and having him, you know, fight through some adversity. Um, I, I don't think I want to just throw him out as soon as he as soon as he faces some adversity and go sit him down on the bench and make him watch Joe Flacco, who I know for a fact is not going to be on my team next year, and I also know for a fact, I mean, as much as you possibly could know that he ain't doing much to win me a bunch of football games. Nobody has had great playoff moments. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. It's a very similar situation to Nick Foles. Like all of a sudden, you put Nick Foles in late in the year, and he'll go on a run for you. I mean, Joe Flacco, his biggest moments of his career, the reason he got paid was because of playoff success. So maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. It's just I get the long-term look and mindset of that, but in that game, for that team, for this year, in that specific situation, I think I'd have given him a shot just to see. When? Like coming, coming out of the first half? Coming out of the third quarter. Okay. Now, I know Romo, Romo... Once you got into the fourth quarter, it was too late. Romo calling the game felt like you needed to give Lamar Jackson the offense at least one more possession coming out of half, if not two. That's fine. That's what he... That, but you had to that do was it pretty his early. You had to make that decision no later than midway through the third quarter. Yeah. If you were going to do it. Sure. Yeah, because by the time the fourth quarter gets here, it, it's, it's too late. It doesn't matter at that point. So, I hear you. If you were going to do it, it needed to be... For me, it would have been max one possession for Lamar Jackson in the second half. And if it didn't go as planned, then then if you're going to make the move, that's when you make it. For me, I like sticking with my young quarterback, who I know is going to be my quarterback for the future. Let him face this adversity and see how he can you know, try and bounce back a little bit. So I like what they did. It ended up paying a little bit of dividends because I think Lamar Jackson walks out of there much more confident at the end of that game than he did at halftime. And you saw the embrace with Harbaugh, and Harbaugh is whispering to him, it's just the beginning. Absolutely. So they've got a future there in Baltimore. That defense is really good. And the Chargers, I think, are a damn good football team. Very, very good. I mean, good. the most complete team to me in the AFC is the Chargers. And we talked about that dating back to October, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they've got a really good defense. You saw it on Sat on Sunday against Baltimore. And Phillip Rivers is still really good. Uh, Melvin Gordon's health is a concern. They've got one of the better receivers in Keenan Allen. They've got Hunter Henry back in the mix. Antonio Gates is still a solid tight end. They've got decent offensive line. Uh, I like the Chargers a lot. I think they've got the ability to go to New England and beat the Patriots. I'm just expecting maybe Tom Brady's final virtuoso Brady-like playoff home game. He just doesn't lose in the divisional round. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally right, and that's that's where my head's at for them. But I do think this is the most vulnerable Patriots team we've seen pretty much ever yeah, you know, since look, they've been you, on their we run. We both said this is it. Yeah. You know, Gronk is done. Gronk's done. Gronk's retiring at the end of this year. 
I don't know how much left of Brady Belichick is going to happen there in New England. It might not be this year, but I don't think you're looking at more than two years of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at the final push of Brady and his dominant run that you've seen from them over the last 20 years. You know, I think he's got a, a, a game or maybe two, you know, a, a run to the Super Bowl this year left. You know, I think that's what he's got. This is going to be that game. I just think he's got Phillip Rivers' number. He always has. He owns the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers aren't a team that historically win a game like this. Yeah. Brady at home. You know, if this game were in L.A., different story. I agree with you 100%. This is a beatable Patriot team. Now, it's funny because the Chargers are actually a better road team than they are I think the Chargers, home team. Uh, and this year they've they've won big they're like, road games. They're like 8-1 and one big, great on point. the road, including last week's game. It's and just they lost to the Ravens different at home. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. I mean, they went to Pittsburgh and won. They went to Kansas City and won. Went to Baltimore and won. But yeah, Foxborough, there's just a different kind of magic and juju there. Yeah, and a tight game, a playoff atmosphere, and weird a stuff situational happens. football. Your coach's headsets will go off in the I'm, fourth quarter exactly. when you need it most. When you think about when you couple the fact that there's going to be some sort of illegal tampering going on in the Patriots' favor, I mean, it, it adds up to a Patriots' victory. And I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a very close game. Great. I don't think it's a, as high scoring as you believe it to be. I think this is. More, I don't think any of these games are going to be super high scoring. Like, I, I think if you get thirty, like a thirty-eight, thirty-four game, that's high scoring to me. Me too. And I think the only game that has that potential is the Colts and Chiefs. I think every other game um, is kind of hovering in that like thirty max. And I think this New England game is is hovering in that sort of. That 27 24. Yeah, 27 24, 24 20, that kind of deal. I don't think any one of these teams is touching uh, um, 30 points. And that's, and that's really because obviously the cold weather in Foxborough and both of these defenses are very good. These aren't crappy defenses like you see in Kansas City, you know, or like you see with the LA Rams. Like these aren't crappy defenses. And the New England offense isn't a, a high flying offense there hand the ball to Michelle throw nine yards to Edelman I mean he doesn't even have Gordon anymore he's throwing to Dorsett he's throwing to Edelman he's throwing it to mostly to James White uh, and Some Hogan and then, action mixed in yeah maybe a little Hogan action so it's not like the Patriots are the kind There's of team that scores a bunch with of points. a 50 yard run yeah it's just so I, it's, it's, I don't, it's I don't a weird it Patriot team. Hi, so, no, it uh, is but, weird. But I think they're, they're, we both agree at the end of the day, you know, it'll be a close one, and the Chargers will put up a fight. But yeah, Brady will find a way to get it done. I'm with you. And then there's the damn Eagles that just won't go away with this Nick Foles crap. Holy bleep! Uh, and they're going to New Orleans, who you'd like to think will be super pissed after the way they lost in the playoffs last year. Did we settle on a nickname for him? By the way, I'm sorry. I think Big Dong Nick is fine. Over Dick Foles. Yeah. All right. All right. There it is. Richard Foles. I'd call him Richard Foles. Richard? I'll go Richard Foles. Oh, man. I just think he deserves more than a Richard because it's such a monster. Oh. Well, we, yeah, have you seen it? I sure haven't. Well, from everything we hear. Well, yeah, but you're calling everybody big bleep and bleep. You can't, everybody can't be the bleep, bleep, big bleep, 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 Nick. Well, Garrett Blunt and... And Nick Foles. I did jump the gun on Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, you've been saying from the get-go, though. Like, you can't all of a sudden now jump off the gun on Nick Mullins. No, I think that was more of a metaphorical But you said it a lot. Yeah. No, I did. I did. You laid your bed. Now you made it, eat it, sit in it, poo in it. Oh, I'll eat it. I think that he's he's got that nickname. 
All right, Big Dong Foles. Now you can't go ahead and give it to Nick Foles. Big Dong Foles. This game was really bad um, when they played a couple weeks ago. Oh, the Saints-Eagles game? Yeah. Yeah. Their last meeting was not good. For who? For the Eagles. Yeah. It was one of the worst we've seen. Uh, maybe ever in the history of football. What was it, 48-7? to Yeah, it was, like, a, I think every, it was a bludgeoning. Oh, man. If the Saints can relive that game every week, they'll be in heaven. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't either. I think this is an Eagles team that is finally getting a little bit healthier. It's scary to me. Particularly on that offensive line. Dude, you know what it is? It's the it's Alshon Jeffrey's actually a part of the offense. For whatever reason, Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey... No report. They don't have a rapport. It's it's it's, it's the Earth Dez show. And, it's Dez and uh, Dak. Similar situation, no doubt. It's the Zach Ertz show. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is more of a factor with Nick Foles than Alshon Jeffrey is. But for whatever you reason, mean Big Dong Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. No, Nick Foles <laughs> has a great connection with Alshon Jeffrey. He does, and he it's, does. it's not that he's got a bad connection with the rest. I mean, he's he's getting Ertz involved. You know, they're get they're sprouting some solid runs here and there. Their defense is playing way better than they have all year, which that, is weird. That front, it's like man. Nick Foles comes into the game, they feel a little bit more like, all right, we got, we got more get up here. It's strange. Yeah, their defensive line's looking like it did last year when they went on that run. And here's Nick Foles, another guy that I think his performances get a little overrated, like. I've been hearing about he was so great against Chicago. He was great on two or three drives. You can't say the quarterback was great in a game in which his team scored, they scored 16, 16 points. points. Come on, dog. Like it's not Nick Foles was not utterly amazing. Much like he wasn't amazing in really any game but the Super Bowl for the Eagles last yeah, year. Yeah, he did he did just enough. He's got last year he had a great offensive line and this year it's finally healthy again, and that offensive line has been dominant. Over the last few games, they've faced Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt. They faced Aaron Donald, um, and they faced, uh, who was the other one? Cleo Mack. The Bears. And they've given up zero sacks and one quarterback hurry in that time frame of playing those vaunted pass rushers. So... That offensive line is finally clicking again. They're healthy again. To me, that was the number one reason why their team had so much success last year. I mean, they were their offensive line was dominant. Nick Foles wasn't getting touched, and they could run the ball great. And now they're finally getting back to, dude, you just played the number one defense in the league with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, who have just on been the road. eating quarterbacks. Yeah, on the road. And he was making big plays on third and fourth down. And they were not getting anywhere near him. That offensive line is for real, and you know how much that matters. Look at the Colts. That's why I think the Colts went on, on Sunday or Saturday against the Chiefs because their offensive line is unfreaking real okay, The Eagles on, are starting on. to get to that point. They're, they're getting there, but are, do you, are you picking them to go in and beat the Saints? Do you want to know my real answer? Yes. Yes. Are you really? I'm picking. Do you think the Eagles are going to go in there and win, huh? The Philadelphia Eagles. Wow, you're going with Big Dong Nick and the Sheagles? I absolutely am. Filthy. So you think 48-7, to week 11, Saints route the Eagles. Carson Wentz, 156 yards, three INTs. You think Big Dong Nick double flips them and doubles the numbers? You think he throws for 300, three touchdowns, no picks, and they win? 
I think he throws for probably 250, but I do think he throws for three touchdowns, and I, I think that he's clean all game long. And he just doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't turn the ball over. But you don't I think love that, the, that breeze in the Saints offense is what did we talk about? Fire? What did we talk about earlier about the Saints? They have certainly fizzled the last month of the year. Drew Brees has not been himself. Now, granted, that week off probably did. I think that week off is did going an old hell. man like Breeze. Mark very, Ingram very well. destroyed the Eagles. Mark Ingram destroyed the He had the maybe Eagles. his best game of the year, 103 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. I do think this is a different Eagles team than they were, what, six weeks ago? I mean, week 11, we're yeah, talking their, about their over a month ago. Their defense playing a lot better. I mean, they're, they're, just, the they're playing offense, better, they they're playing better in the trenches right now, the Eagles are. Their defensive line with Fletcher Cox and company, and their offensive line. Which is what they rode to a Super Bowl. That's what they year. rode to a Super Bowl. And so I'm like, man... Let's go for it. And if this was in Philadelphia, I'd have no bones oh, about in, it. In Philadelphia, I think I, I would pick the Eagles. But since it's in the Superdome, I have a little I'm, bit more I'm going more with the Saints mark. at I home. I hear you. I hear you. Now, I, I'll tell you, I'm not. I'm scared. Though. Close game? I, look, I said it earlier. I think it'll be close game. Yeah, it's not going to be 48-7. to This game will be close. I think the Eagles will have a fighting chance. But I just do think uh, the Saints... They've got to be up to play this game. Like, I just don't see them laying an egg. Yeah. At home, that crowd's going to be going crazy. They, they're a better football team than the Eagles are. I would just be really surprised to see them lose this one. I really would. And, and it, it wouldn't shock me for the Eagles to go in there and win. I, I just don't I just don't think the Saints are going to let that happen. Like, I think you'll get the Saints' top game. Much like I think Brady's going to have a Brady-esque Patriot home game. I think you'll see Breeze have a similar performance at home. Gotcha. I just think it'll be it'll be closer. Foles will have a minute, but I think Breeze is going to make those plays. You know, the, the the plays that you've seen him miss against Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. I think Thomas has a good game. I think Kamara gets back to doing Kamara-like things. I just don't think the Eagles' defense can do enough to stop them for four quarters. Yeah, them being at home. Yeah, like the, the, that energy in that crowd, much like the Cowboys used against Seattle. You'd think that the Saints will be ready and rocking for this one. Mm-hmm. I just I, I expect the Saints to be up and play well. Now, if they don't, then they're going to be in some trouble because the Eagles are going to play a good game. Yeah, the like, Eagles. it's going to it's going to have to take the Saints' best effort to beat the Eagles. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are playing; they know how to win the playoffs. On, evidently, under Doug Peterson. Yeah, man, and I'm telling you, when, when your when your defensive line and your offensive line is playing as best as they've played all season long, there's no better time to do that than in the playoffs. And um, I do want to make one point, though, about Nick Foles, uh, because this has obviously been a topic of discussion. You know, what if Nick Foles goes on another run? Is there a quarterback competition now? Do you get rid of Wentz? Do you, you know, what do you do? Listen, Wentz is still the better quarterback. Um, again, I think you keep Nick Foles, though. Uh, well, and, and if I'm Nick Foles, I don't want to leave. He's going to cost you quite a bit of money, but I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to fight you for it. I think having a guy like Nick Foles as your backup quarterback. I mean, if it wasn't for him right now, the Eagles would not even be in this conversation. So I'm with you. I think he's worth hanging on to. But Carson Wentz is the better quarterback. Carson Wentz needs to be the starter there. And if Carson Wentz was playing with the offensive line that Nick Foles is currently playing with, I think Carson Wentz would have had a much better season. And let's not forget, he was coming off the ACL injury this year. So, just as I know that wasn't necessarily the topic of discussion here, I just wanted to let that be known. Wentz is still, should be, still the guy, no matter what happens with Nick Foles. Even if Foles wins the championship this year, back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, I think I think even so. Absolutely. I, I, I think we know what Nick Foles is right now, which is, you know, above average 
And when given stellar the offensive Eagles, line he's a play, very good NFL quarterback. When when given stellar offensive team, line play, system. and yeah, and good coaching like Doug Peterson, then yeah, he can be a, a pretty dang good quarterback. But I think Wentz could be a very, very, very good quarterback. And uh, yeah, I just think he's he's the better guy. Yeah, I think Wentz is far and away the better quarterback. I agree with you. But in Philadelphia, they do stupid, stupid things. Yeah, they do, man. Yeah, they do. So your predictions for this weekend? Chiefs lose to Colts. Patriots beat the Chargers. So you've got Colts-Patriots as your AFC championship game. Yep. You've got the Rams beating the Cowboys, you jerk. Yep. And you've got the Eagles beating the Saints. So Rams hosting the Eagles in the NFC championship game. I have the Rams hosting the Eagles in the NFC championship game. Disgusting. It's terrible. I've got the same AFC championship game. Colts at Patriots. Okay. Deflate gate number two. Yep. But I've got... Cowboys at Saints for the NFC Championship. All right. I like it. I love it. Now, here's the thing. Is there a Dolphin bias in here that wants the enemy and Richard to be out so we can just go ahead and get my damn head coach? Maybe. Proceed with the program. We are the Nosebleed Seats Podcast. Zach Wolchel alongside Eric Chiafalo. Like us, subscribe, hit us up on iTunes. We'll be back next week to recap it all. Maybe we'll have some extra spicy meatball segments for you. Could the return of Weird with Wolchuk be happening? Just a tease. Oh, my God, yes. Just a tip just to see how it feels. We'll let you know next week. I want the whole damn thing. Hugs and hand pounds, everybody. Come poised. Welcome back to Belshi Rule. As California is farting, is, is, excuse me, fighting.